For some time now, I've been dealing with revived to possess the nations, and I've been looking at the aspect of revival and the particular area that I'm calling for revival is in the area of the demonstration or the manifestation of the Spirit. And so we began looking at the various giftings, various ministries, the workings, the service, and the demonstration or manifestation gifts. Then we looked at the aspect of the revelation gifts. And I said that these are just theologians that have tried to make it simple. But sometimes they crisscross. And then we said that it is important as a church that we manifest. For the manifestation is for the common good. A church that do not have these giftings at work will miss that common good that the giftings and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit provides. I made a point this morning that it appears unconsciously, unintentionally. It is not intentional. It is not on purpose. But sadly, there is an attempt and hear me out, it is not intentional, but when you, when you look at it, when you go down with a kind of an eye of the spirit, there is a subtle, unintentional attempt to downplay the need for the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Now let me say this, get me right, get me within the context of which I'm speaking. We have not been called as Christians only to go to heaven alone. That is not the only reason. If that was the reason, immediately you are saved, God would have taken you away. Because you are saved. There are certain things that we do, we teach, we talk about, which is intended to make you well prepared for heaven. But that is not what all Christianity is about. And I've said this here over and over, and I'll keep hammering it until God does what he wants to do. I fully appreciate the importance of character. The need to live holy lives and to work as a Christian, not to steal, not to lie, not to do all the wrong things and to do all the right things. I fully subscribe but character has to do more with your own being and relationship with God and leading you to heaven. And so no matter your giftings, no matter your talents and all those things, if your character is not right, you are playing a dangerous game. Because you could be a signpost to others and miss out to heaven. But you see, I believe that as Christians, the issue about character is the foundation. is the fundamental thing all of us must pass. Living holy, pure life. But there is a responsibility and a call for duty. Placed on every Christian. 
And my duty as a servant or a minister of the gospel is to bring your attention, to equip you, so that together we achieve that goal. If you are not careful, these responsibilities I'm talking about will be vested only in the pastors or so-called super apostles or super beings, and we may think that we are not part of that agenda. Much as it is good for us to focus on your character and focus on teaching you and letting you understand the Bible. Church of Pentecost for now is just about 3 million people over. We are doing great and thank God for that. But I also made the point that where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Or where your goal or your focus is, that is where your heart will be. And that will determine the ingredients and the fire and the grace with which you will pursue certain things. I am passionate and my spirit is on fire for the 7.8 billion people across the globe. And I'm asking the question that what can God use me? What can God use this church to reach to that goal? If your focus is on a smaller group of people, obviously God will give you a small anointing. But Church of Pentecost must begin to arise and be conscious of the 7 billion people. Out of the 7 billion, it is said that about less than 3 billion are Christians. Granted, there are about 2 billion are solid. It means that there are 5 billion who are going straight to hell even though Christ has died. Christ was made naked because of human beings. Every day, thousands of people are dying, and those who die, the end has come to them. There's nothing, no amount of prayer can change. And these are people Jesus died for. Now the question is, as a church, what should be our focus? Should we run a plane with one wing, or we should run a plane with double wings? Should we run a one-way focused approach or we should run a balanced approach? My conviction is that we should run a balanced approach. Now, if even Jesus, who is the son of God, the one who, who, hey, who is God, needed the Holy Ghost power and manifestation to make a point. Now, wouldn't it mean you're free Ghana. But if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost manifestation and demonstration to make a point, the church dare not, dare not at any point underplay the power of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I said, and again, get the context of what I'm saying, that if you don't steal, very good. It will help you go to heaven. If you don't lie, if you don't fornicate. Now, all these things would do. How many people will it really affect? If your focus is only building your character, living holy, how many people can you really change with your character? At most, your family, uh, maybe your workmates, uh, who else? How many people will, you, will watch your character and be saved. By the time 100 people will be saved by your character, 
I'm sure a million are already dead and gone. When I was the youth director, and then we had to battle certain things, certain cultures. Um, the church, I recall that time, was very busy. I mean, pastors and leaders. And, and some of us, sometimes you look like a, a lone ranger. Those were the days, I'm just digressing, I'll come back to Those were the days when our ladies would put on trousers. Then the elders and the pastors would, as if they are demons. Then some of us as a youth director were going around the nation saying that there's nothing big deal about this trousers thing, please. And then they would point to God and say, you, these guys, you spoil the church. I recall those days, there was mesh. Mesh started coming, I mean, heads and pastors were against it, saying all kinds of teachings. And then were you director going around the country? I recall sometimes when I minister and I say, mesh is not from, the, I mean, we cannot continue this. Let us understand the changing time. There's always hair, so no, and all kinds of things. You are arrogant, this, this. And we stood our grounds. They would say lipstick and, and all these things. And people were fighting. You people, maybe more man for me. Some of us, God knows what we've gone through in this church because of these stands we took. And still are happening. And we continue to fight. And today, I look at you. Look at the women. All of you are doing mesh. All of you, permen. And the kind of jacket some of us were putting. And hear me out. And we insisted that those are not the things. If we are not careful and our focus is on those things, we will miss the things that we ought to concentrate on. And hear me out. Today has its own challenges, and I don't intend to go there. But it's just history repeating itself. Hear me. The Church of Pentecost must understand that we have been called to bring hope to the whole world. Let's say five billion people. And much as our emphasis and continuous emphasis on teachings and, and character, character is very good. It will take us years to reach out the world. But in addition to character, those of us who may not be too long, when we came into this church, our fathers focused a lot on the Holy Ghost. They focused a lot on the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, on the power of the Holy Ghost, on the manifestation of the Holy Ghost, on speaking with power and authority, seeing the grace of God upon the church. One of the saddest statements I heard on a particular platform, I wouldn't tell where, when somebody stood and said that this is not a time for miracles, this is the time of a teaching. Hear me out. It will take you one hour of teaching or three hours of teaching to achieve a minute of demonstration of the Spirit. Hear me, I said demonstration of the Spirit. I didn't say miracle. If your teaching is anointed with oil, that teaching becomes a miraculous tool. 
And until we come to that consciousness that it's not about long talk and, and according to theology and according to long two hours and one hour sermon. But even if it is two minutes, the grace that is upon it. Until the church comes back to the point where there's a cry, there's a longing that, oh, Holy Ghost, do something new. Until the church takes our mind of these, what are called non-essentials. And fight over things that we don't fight about. Hmm. Sometimes we are saddened by the things people say about in the pulpit. This pulpit, this microphone, one hour you have time to talk about certain things. Let the church come back to the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The church must come back. In addition, please get me right. In addition to the, all the talking we are talking about, look, every day we are teaching about character. Every day. If it's about integrity, if it's about um, holy, holy living, it is about the giving, it's all about building our character. So in addition to that, let us continue to talk about the presence, the manifestation. Because you see, the truth is that we want to get to the 7 billion people. And we cannot go there. We cannot impact the world if the church is not brought back to the focus of the demonstration of the Spirit. Paul said, when I came to you, I refused To say any other thing except Christ and him crucified. And unless you have a deeper revelation of what that statement, it talks about what that statement brings. That's the power of the cross and all that comes about it. And so I'm saying that what makes Pentecost Pentecost is the Holy Ghost factor, is the manifestation, is the demonstration, is the overflow, is the pouring out of his manifestation. There should be something about us that shows that we are not ordinary human beings. Paul was on a journey to Rome because of his trial. But on his way, he had an inspiration or an impression or a knowledge or whatever and warned the people. This story is in Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. In verse 10, he says, Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Church. Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. Sometimes you can see that we are heading towards disaster until we come back. Church, let us come back to the Holy Ghost. But, but the Bible says that verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul is saying, instead of you listening to what I'm saying, you may be listening to even the way I'm saying it. You, you, you say, ah, but this guy should have even spoken nicely and gently. That is where you'll be focusing. <laughs> I remember one day, it was not my fault too. 
I came on year calendar. And that, that year calendar had lifted my left hand. I didn't even know. I didn't know. I didn't know who took that picture. All I saw was I was in a year calendar and I lifted my left hand like that. And that one too was another wahala. That why should that arrogant boy have his left hand on the distance? So just, I just remember this because I, I kept using my left hand then I remembered that instead of you to listen to the message what I'm sharing with you, Oh, yeah, I'll be sharing in Sana Mamasuno. Sometimes the kind of things Satan allows us to focus on so that we miss the critical point. Now, this man advised, but the people did not listen. So they went. And the Bible says that there was such a strong wind. Verse 14 talks about a hurricane. Swept them off the island. Hmm. And you read verse 20. I'm just jumping. Verse 20 says that when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope because somebody did not listen. And they were focused on other things. And they did not listen to the revelation, to the voice of the Spirit. And the Bible says that the people went without food eventually because of disobedience. Fourteen days they had not eaten. You see, where there is no direction, where there is no revelation, where there is no listening to divine inspiration, we will all suffer. We will go hungry for days, even though God's protection will still be there. May the spirit of revelation be released upon the church. And may we have an ear that listens to the voice of the spirit. May we have an ear that sees beyond the physical and read into the spirit behind what is going on. So, the Bible says that they gave all hope. But after they have gone without food, 21 says that Paul stood up and said, Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail to create. Then you would have spared yourself the damage and the loss. You see, the implication of this, the, the lesson from this is that when we lose out on divine direction and, and we do not listen, we will suffer. And if you have a pastor, you have an elder, you have a leader whose focus is not on the things of the spirit, and will be like the centurion. He was the one leading the team. But he chose to listen to the captain. When you have leaders and you have members who do not listen to the voice of the spirit. We all will suffer. May our ears be open to the voice of the spirit. But look at a man. He says, but now I urge you to keep your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, and look at the basis of the confidence. Last night, an angel of the Lord God, of whom I serve, and I belong, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given the lives of all these who sail with you. Now hear me. 
the truth is that there was a storm. Very dangerous storm. They knew that they could die. The, I mean, everything showed that they were in a very dangerous position. However, Paul had the confidence, the audacity, and fortitude of strength to declare that take courage. This is what we call faith at work. Where we are able to confront issues by virtue of what we know and what we have heard. When somebody hears from God and the rest don't hear, it is such a headache. Can you imagine Pastor Paul telling the congregation that, ah, take courage, nothing will happen when everybody is seen a storm. You see, there is among the gifts I'm talking about, what I refer to as the gift of faith. And I'm saying that the gift of faith, which is in the Bible, which is among the three power gifts I'm speaking about today, comes by people who have heard from God. You see, the Bible says, faith cometh not but by hearing, and by the hearing of the word, right? So, anytime somebody is operating in the gift of faith, it means that a revelation, a message, an inspiration has been dropped. Without that, you cannot operate. And once there's the gift of faith operating, it only means that the word of God is available to the church. And so, if you have the gift of faith, you are so privileged because there is always a word that will come to you to cause you to believe. And faith does not look at things which are. In other words, it does not look at the situation. No. It sees things which are not as though they are and calls them into being. So when we have a church, when we have men and women with faith, when we are praying, they don't need to see. All they need is to have that gift released by the word of the Lord into their spirit. They can look at you and say, sister, even though your womb has been removed, God says a year by this time you will give birth. And those ones doesn't come by nothing. And can you imagine the impact such an action will make on the life of the person, his family, his friends, and now that there's social media, and this thing goes into the air, the impact. Compare that to if I'm going to teach for 10 hours. Compare that to trying to live your own way and forgetting about the manifestation. So I'm saying that in addition to character, we need to operate the Holy Ghost. And the way of operating the Holy Ghost is through the giftings and the ministries. Paul was able to make a declaration that none of us will die. None. We will all get there. We will all get there. It, against all odds. You see, you may not appreciate what Paul did until you picture what was happening. And for this man to stand in the midst of those things and say that, don't worry, we will get there. And I'm saying that the reason why he said that was because he had heard from God. May the Lord open your capacity to hear. May God give you the grace to be able to hear. And when you hear from God, I'm telling you, when you hear from God, you, you act like crazy. Because people cannot understand the things you say, the things you do. The, the, the cause you defend, they will not appreciate it. 
but time and season will vindicate you because God has spoken. That is what faith is able to do. Cause things which are not, which doesn't seem real to happen. The next thing that we need to see at work. So one, we must see faith at work. And, and this is different from believing in God, faith of your salvation. I'm talking about a, a, a manifestation that comes upon you and nothing becomes impossible. You, you smile at impossibilities and cry, it shall be well. You, you laugh at things that appear impossible. So that in your language, there's nothing like it cannot. Because when God is by you, all things, all things. Let the spirit of all things are possible be released in PIWC. So that there's nothing like it is too late. There's nothing like it is not possible. There's nothing like it cannot be done. It, it, no, let that language change. The next thing is the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing. And, and I am of the firm belief that it is called gifts because healing has different dimensions. We have spiritual healing. You see, anytime you sin or you are attacked by the enemy, spiritually, you are bruised. Spiritually, something happens. And when those things, attacks and those things come upon your life, you, sometimes we are wounded. Certain things take place. If the Bible says we war, we war not after flesh and blood, if we are engaged in a battle, then in the course of the battle, certain things may happen which we do not know. But when there is the flow of the gifts of healing, even when we go and we are wounded, the healing power of God becomes a healing bar. So when we have a church where there is a healing anointing so strong, whether you are injured or wounded because of your own sin or my sin or our sins. God's healing power comes in to repair the broken bridges. And remember the Bible says that when the walls are cracked, the serpent enters. So sometimes, whatever reason, if there's a crack in our life, the devil enters at a point you don't know. So you may come to church with satanic penetrations in various aspects of your life, no, 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 no. But when the healing power of God is at work, we don't need to say, come out. But the healing power itself brings complete healing. Gifts of healing that bring spiritual healing. Then we have healing that has to do with our emotional being, psychological being. Sometimes you see somebody walking, no malaria, no blood pressure, but the person is sick. He's depressed, suicidal, marriages are tearing him or her apart, they are dying inside. They are sick. But you see a word, a revelation, a message, a healing flow, a healing balm could bring emotional healing to that person. The person comes to church broken but go home rejoicing. That is healing. Where there's no healing flow in the church, people just come broken and they go back and they're angry. And that is where they begin to concentrate on whether you pointed your left finger or your right finger. Because you're already angry. May God bring healing to your emotions. You'll be hurt. You'll be wounded. You may, not, you may think that you are okay, but it is pierced you. You are sick. 
Somebody may have said something against you. You are wounded. When you see the person, something takes place. You are wounded. You are sick. But when the healing balm flows, when the healing oil flows, you come wounded, but you go healed. Let every wounded person be healed in Jesus' name. Then we are talking about physical healing. That has to do with God healing you of whatever. And I'm saying that, you see, hmm, again, understand what I'm saying. I believe, I believe, I believe in medication. I believe oh, hey, I take medication. Me, I take it. I am not anti-medication. But we cannot also live all our lives on medication. We cannot. If not, doctors will live for 100 years. There are times that in addition to your medication, you need to lift your faith to a certain level that will break hold of that medication. I am a firm believer in divine healing. I believe God still heals. And so when we come to church, we must pray for healing and believe God for healing. And stop this attitude as if healing is... For, we, we claim we are Pentecostal, but our faith is healing is for the past. Look, if even Jesus came healing then who dare us? If one of the greatest ministry of Jesus was healing the sick, he went about healing the sick. And watch out. Most of the things he did, that brought a lot of souls. Look at the apostles. Well, because people were healed. And you think that they needed healing, but you don't need, you can talk plenty and people will be saved. And I'm going to now, when I catch us, I'm not going to hear you. May God open us up to the truth of the scripture, to focus on the things. Hey, today, people are so scientific. People are so, they have answers to everything. You, when you say that Jesus is love, he tells you what shows Jesus is love. All the arguments. But there's no way he can deny when doctors say you are going to die tomorrow. And you, by the word of the Lord, tell the person you shall not die. Medically, everything shows that he's going to die. And by the word of the Lord, you tell that man, that professor, that lawyer, that doctor. And the day comes and he does not die and live. It is more powerful than ten gospels. But who said that is also not a gospel? Who said Healing is not part of the gospel. Oh, Pentecost, let the healing stream be restored. Let that spirit that brings total healing, where we believe that our God heals, our Lord heals. Where when somebody is sick, the first thing that should come into your mind is prayer, not the doctor. Please don't get me wrong. If somebody is sick, and the first thing that comes into your mind is let me call the doctor, then there's a problem. The first thing that should come into your mind is to pray. It doesn't matter even if it's a second prayer. You must pray. And who knows what God will do. And even when you have to visit the doctor, you must believe God for the healing of that person. If not, doctor, doctors, I'm not, I'm not against you. That's why I began by saying, even me. In fact, right now, I'm even taking some medication. But hear me out. I am still a firm believer. There are times that I refuse some medication. 
There are times I refuse doing certain things by faith because I've heard from God. Not when you've not been instructed anyway. So, I'm not asking you to be foolhardy, but I'm saying that there are times that we need to allow faith to overpower some of the things that are diseases and infirmities. And I'm saying this because, you see, sometimes we believe God to pray for headache. We believe God to pray for... But if, if they bring somebody who is HIV AIDS, if you are not careful, you cannot believe God for that. If once you hear somebody has cancer, you may not be able to believe God for that. But today, may God give PRWC members the capacity to believe God for the gifts of healing. So that we can bring healing to every soul. So emotionally, people must be healed. Spiritually, people must be healed. And physically, there must be healing. When people have heart conditions, their heart should be changed. Those of us who know this church, we have lots of stories that this person had a kidney problem and he dreamt and the kidney was removed and that would be the end. Munti Bida. So if still people are getting sick, why do we think that we don't need healing? And you say, Freeva. The final thing, still on the power gifts, is what the Bible refers to as the miraculous gifts. And with this one, we are dealing with three areas all in one. When somebody has the gifts of miracles, it means that a person has a special grace for signs, wonders, and miracles. But all put together is what is referred to as the miraculous gifts. Sometimes we interchange them. Sometimes there's a whole confusion. Sometimes certain things are referred to as signs, others are wonders and miracles. There's a whole thing. But I don't really think the critical point is what, what means. Of course, it's good to have a kind of an appreciation of these terminologies. But when we talk of a sign, we are looking at a pointer. It may not be the real thing, but it is a pointer that something is happening. For instance, when we say stand up, receive the Holy Ghost, and people begin to speak in tongues, speaking in tongues itself is not really a wonder, it's not a miracle, but it's a sign that the Holy Ghost has come. When God gave Noah the rainbow, it was, it is, the rainbow wasn't any spectacular thing, but it was only a sign that God was giving a promise. I pray that God will give you a sign. Something that will be evidential, that will be a hold on. That once God has said this, like Paul, when God, the angel told him that you will get to the to trial, that itself was not a miracle. It was not a wonder. But that statement was a sign to him that if I'm going to get to the for the trial, then I won't die on the way. May God give you a prophetic sign. May God give you a word that will become a signpost for your life. And when that word is surely from God, then you know. That until that thing happens, you will not die. That gives you confidence. So that when God has spoken to you and you go to hospital and they say, your heart is, is dead. You look into the face of the doctor and say that, doctor, no. No, no, no. Because God said, next year I'm going to do this. May God give you a word. May God speak into your tomorrow and give you a sign. And so several occasions, Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. Certain things that point to 
the reality of God. He said, just as Jonah spent three days in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be. So it was a sign. So if we have a church full of signs, full of statements and revelations and actions, that points that there's a God in this church. I'm telling you, the church will grow more than we trying to, not to steal, not to kill, and keeping quiet. And keeping quiet. In addition to not stealing, not killing, may science follow you at your workplace. May science follow you in your family. May science follow you wherever you go so that people will see that you are not just an ordinary member. When God gives you a sign, it has an added impetus to your prayer. May God give you a sign. The next thing is a wonder. When we talk of a wonder, we are talking about something that is that wows you. Something that is incredible, unbelievable. That is what we refer to as a wonder. And every child of God must have an experience that is wonderful, that is amazing. Like you are standing with Jesus Christ and all of a sudden he changes, his color changes, his body changes. Like you are, you are bound in prison chains and all of a sudden the prison chains are loose. You say, what? You are, he, he's walked out of the prison gate before he realizes that um, he's been free. May God cause it to be like a dream. When things begin to happen, certain things you didn't expect, certain things that you were not expecting, God brings your way. And I'm saying that when these things begin to happen in the church, there is exercise of faith, there is healing, there is one, wonders are being made. I'm saying that the church will grow faster than just talking. That is the point I'm making. I'm not saying talking is not important. But I'm saying that much as we emphasize talking, we should equally emphasize the need for the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The last one is the miraculous or miracle, gift of miracle. Here, we are talking about defying nature. When we talk of something that's miraculous, in other words, this is the natural way things ought to happen. But you defy it. Like, it is not natural to walk on water. But Jesus decides to walk on water. That is the miracle. Something that it is not natural for you to die and come back to life. But when that is defied, when you pray and life comes back to something that is dead, that is a miracle. So we are saying that some people or a church, when given miraculous powers, is a church where there are signs. When we meet, there could be a revelation, a message that will let somebody know that mm, there is God here. Where somebody may have a discussion in the head, in the heart, may have a dream, and yet you come and you're able to see the dream. That is a sign that God is at work. So, I told you initially that there is an interplay. But at the end of the day, what is critical is that there must be a church full of signs. And that will make a difference. 